be covering 100 films through the history of cinema from A Trip to the Moon to Parasite and everything in between except Woody Allen. Fuck Woody Allen. Amen. <laughs> and that's all we have to say. Have a good yes. night. All right. That's the end Wait, of the episode. No, go. <laughs> Wait. Come back. And that's a wrap. <laughs> we made our one point. Yeah. Oh. That's the whole point of the podcast. Mm-hmm. There's going to be 100 episodes of us just, you know, dissing Woody Allen. Yeah. And we'll be done. Um, Screw that guy. Yeah. Really. Anyway. <laughs> not, not a good, not a good, not a good guy. <laughs> Today's episode is on Metropolis and I am doing the report and mm. I am nervous because I've never done one of these before. I believe in you. That's okay. We had never done one of these before. Mm-hmm. I feel more nervous about my second one than my first one, oh. which I was telling you about. Right. But Wait, it's true. who are you? Who's doing the report? Tell me <laughs> your name. Who is oh, this man? Uh, so I happen to be Reese. You are. Okay. Mm-hmm. I happen to be Hannah. I'm Hunter, I guess. I don't know. I feel like that's important sometimes, but maybe it's... You know, I think that's for other podcasts, you know, like podcasts where, you know, the person matters, but, you know, we're just three, like amorphous blobs yeah we don't yeah. really matter we don't have personalities we're just like a collective group of nerddom yeah blob. we're like we're like voltron if the lions weren't lions and <laughs> they were just like gray sludge until they came together i don't get that reference and but <laughs> <laughs> i shouldn't be here Sad. i need to go man you should definitely watch voltron <laughs> oh, it's okay fun. it's very fun hunters tried to get me to watch I've voltron it's been very hard like even with Hannah and Haven, our other sister, my Hannah's other sister, not your sister, Reese, ah. uh, as like <laughs> fans of like Avatar: The Last Airbender, to also try and get them into other like animated shows. It's rough. Haven actually is pretty good at that. Haven watched all of Samurai Jack with me. That's pretty cool. I appreciate that. That that is rad. But like, you li- did you enjoy Korra at all? I have not fully watched Korra. I'm a failure. But I've been watching it all or most of it recently. Now that it's on Netflix too. Yeah. So I know getting there. Several people. I don't like it as much as Avatar. Avatar, but I like it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Some people like it more. Maybe present company included. (laughs) No. Don't call me out like that. (laughs) (laughs) I know other people who also like it more. So really? Yeah. One of the guys that I like follow who does videos on YouTube. Or like a friend of a guy who does those things has said that he likes Cora more. So. Dang. So there's at least one other person out there. That's kind of nice. I don't know. I think even if you don't love Cora, I think Voltron is probably better than Cora from an objective standpoint. There's a little bit more there to be interested in. Yeah. Even if you don't like giant robots. But if you do like giant robots. If you like giant robots, we that's got cool. some fun things for you. I'm not super <laughs> into giant robots, and I still like it. So. Speaking I'm of robots. slightly more into giant Speaking robots. Speaking of robots. Oh my gosh. That is, is <gasps> oh such a good man. segue. I try. How Bring did you back do that? I, I was practicing all night, honestly. I'm, it's okay. I'm impressed. Thank you. It's like writing in a notebook. <laughs> if they talk about Voltron, say this. Gotta be focused. <laughs> you know, it, it would lead right into my summary, except that I do not mention the robot in my summary. Damn it. Because I, I did like a very early like... Oh, non-spoiler summary of just like the very beginning of the movie the there's no robot in metropolis i don't know what we're talking well, about i mean i really don't ah. think the robot is a spoiler since it's no. on the poster it like, but i just didn't yeah. get there to explaining what the robot is that's, that's fair. but it, we can get i mean who cares it's, it's we're good it's, it's a movie from 1927 it's, like it's almost 100 years old <laughs> it's it really almost is 100 <laughs> that's insane that's so weird when you look at it that that's way really this movie weird, is actually. extremely impressive 
And I mean, also, if you look at it other ways, it's impressive, but you know. I'm interested. Anyway, Metropolis, 1927, is a German expressionist film directed by Fritz Lang and co-written with his then-wife, Thea von Harbo. It was his 12th full-length feature film and proved to be his most well-known film, as well as being considered one of the very first feature-length science fiction films. There. That's just a brief introduction into... um, why this film might matter i guess i don't know there's there's some really interesting stuff that i want to get into with the writing team and also with it as being a part of science fiction because it's it's weird that one of the first science fiction films is like mostly futurist and also specifically german expressionist which Mm. i was reading um basically kind of came out of like being inspired by van gogh like it, hmm. it's directly kind of like expressionism Whoa. because the idea is like, I guess, as I was seeing to convey inner subjective experiences um, and to not go for realism, which was very popular at the time and to try to use dramatic visuals, bright colors and a distorted sense of reality in order to, to produce, produce more extreme emotional reactions in the viewer, which is why the architecture everywhere in that movie is just so dramatic and honestly that's probably the most moving part of the film for me like the giant score like the sweeping score over just like the skyline is like the best part of that movie yeah um which is i don't know i just think that that's interesting that that's the earliest or one of the earliest science fiction features Mm -hmm. because it's still not quite what we think of as science fiction right there were still some like cliches in it too though like, all the storytelling was all, like, oh, I've been watching this storyline my whole life. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, it does has it kind of has, like, a, a sci-fi version of, like, the doppelganger yes. trope. Yeah. And I don't know. And just, just the, like, here's the rich people and here's the workers and right. the dystopian. It was like, oh, Hunger Games. Like, the yeah. capital and the people in their weird clothes and then, mm-hmm. yeah. We've been complaining about class disparity for a long time yeah just that like (laughs) super contrast between the two groups Mm -hmm. and you know at first i was like oh you know just it's just talking about class disparity and we'll get into this more um but as i started reading into it and reading more about the writers well not both writers but specifically fritz lang's wife Um, there's some Nazi shit going on here, guys. Mm. Not gonna lie. Not the Nazi One of shit. Hitler's favorite oh. movies. Not not a good thing to set off this really? movie. Yeah. That kind of made me appreciate this movie less. Hmm. But there are some redemptive qualities that we will get into as well. Okay. But you know, I will I will say that out at the start. That's so there's some Nazi shit going on here. Mm. <laughs> um but the film is obviously pre Third Reich. It's pre you know, national German socialist German workers. I don't remember mm-hmm. how nationalist national German socialist work. I don't know. It's a I party, know. you know, the Nazi guys. Right. It's pre that. I trust. I had to read Mein Kampf in school, and I didn't get anything out of it. There wasn't really anything to get out of it other than wow, yeah, yeah Hitler sucks. And I had to read <laughs> seven hundred pages on top of just <laughs> knowing about World War Two. To know that Hitler sucks. They wanted to make sure you knew. And I really do now. Other yeah, than the you're not a Nazi. Perhaps. I am very aware of how much Hitler sucks. So, you know, at least there's that. Good stuff. 
but you know maybe it makes it so i can enjoy metropolis less so true probably an okay trade-off i guess so (laughs) worth it in the end (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so i do have a plot summary here um let me see if it's legible uh the film takes place in a futurist dystopia the city of metropolis uh and i read somewhere that it takes place in 2026 but i didn't actually i don't think i saw anything about that in the film itself so i don't know where that came from yeah i tried to find sources on that and I, I couldn't find anything uh but it's yeah the workers of the underground section of the city are forced to work these brutal shifts and keep the machines running specifically the heart machine is that what it was called yeah they mentioned it a few times yeah uh, yeah so. it didn't really you know it's early sci-fi bullshit so it doesn't like quite right. make sense it's what the heart machine <laughs> is clear, yeah what it is or i don't think you even see it until the end bit right yeah uh and then in the higher levels of the city the rich are playing in vast what, what are called eternal gardens unaware of the endless toil of their brothers and the the intertitle um in the film say uh about this as deep as lay the worker city below the earth, so high above it towered the complex known as the Club of the Suns with its lecture halls and libraries, its theaters and stadiums. Which is kind of good. I like that writing for some reason. It's got that just like really overly dramatic, fantastical vibe about yeah. it that I think is the reason why this film is still enjoyable. Uh, despite some issues. The son of the city master, Frieder, is brought to an awareness of the suffering of the lower class by Maria, who brings a group of children to the upper levels to view the opulence of the rich. Frieder feels compassion for those of the underground city and fights to resolve the class struggles, delivering a very upfront moral for the story that the epigraph delivers at the opening of the film. The mediator between the head and the hands must be the heart. Complete with a massive budget, brilliant set design, and engaging writing, Metropolis is quite possibly the most important film of German Expressionism and possibly the most enduring science fiction film of the silent era. Boom. There's the summary. Now we know if we haven't watched it. Shame on you for listening to this episode (laughs) and not watching the film beforehand. You know, or not. What if we're like the cheat sheet? We, I mean, that Mm. kind of works. The Cliff's Notes. Like, we can be an unofficial podcast. Because we just talk about stuff. We can be the unofficial Cliff's Notes of <laughs> early movies. That's fine, I guess. But some of Perhaps. these, I think, are worth watching. Yes. Well, I mean, obviously. Right. That's kind of the point. It, it, I mean, it is. Yeah. You that's can fair. and should watch these long. movies. It was long. Can and should. I would definitely at least recommend watching clips. Or if yes, you haven't seen the true. movie and you're listening to this episode, looking up images. Because mm-hmm. it's a very visual film. And... Mm-hmm. Even though the score is like really brilliant, I think it's probably the visuals that like take the cake on yeah. why this film. I mean, like it's Frieder's bewildered look for me. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's some <laughs> definitely constantly. very striking so visuals, and like you were saying, I, it made it kind of make sense when you were talking about like about what expressionism actually is, because I was I hadn't totally connected that dot, I guess. But like thinking back on that makes sense, like why things are the way they are, because like mm. looking at all the way that the workers work with the machines is like. There's no way that's doing anything practical. A light turns on and you turn the thing so it points (laughs) to the light that's on and then the light goes off. It's like, what's that doing? Probably not anything realistic, but (laughs) it gets the idea across of just menial labor over Mm. and over again. Right. For 10 hours. And yeah. Yeah, it's it's not like the kind of work that it's not like lang is visualizing like oh what would the future look like right. this is what work looks like in the future to keep machines running it's like this is just 
a very obvious way to show it's uncomfortable doing menial labor for like 10 hours straight right and it feels pointless yeah but like you can't pick that up just specifically from like reading the text or something if you were to for mm. some reason only read a, a transcription of a silent film <laughs> but right. like just seeing yeah the visuals and performances that go along with those things are what sell the whole thing mm-hmm. so yes and i mean at one point when frieder like switches with i don't remember the guy's name one of the workers yeah. and starts doing that shift he like does scream out at like one point like father how long will this torment yes. last yes. or something it's like, like hell that. yeah it's like this 10 hours so long i think i remember that yeah because yeah. you made it a quote on your first letterbox review oh movie. right <laughs> Yeah, I really liked that line the first time around, yeah, and I just cool. actually entirely missed it the second time. I don't know how. Like, you know, you got like five seconds on the intertitles. Like, you should be able to not miss a bit of dialogue, but <laughs> somehow I did. So, <laughs> interesting. Uh, I feel like they definitely made it resemble hell. Yeah, sort they of they do depressing, yeah. dark down there. And with the like Labor. weird, I don't know if they're like oh. dream sequences or yeah. whatever, but where it looks like that there's like cool. this giant like temple idol thing mm-hmm. i like that that was cool the, like hallucination vision thing yeah it's just yeah like because i tried to read it by right i mean that's probably another point of it like not being entirely literal but just being like look at this thing right it's just like the machine god that we feed human beings to and it's cool it's awesome I thought it but was cool. i think it it's funny because yeah you have to kind of have it framed as just being kind of a straight metaphor and having that like mm-hmm. expressionism right. like processed in your mind right. when and you're watching do, like, it. They deliberately like overlay right. the, like temple version over the actual one and go back. So mm-hmm. like it's yeah, it's very clear that it's kind of a, a different interpretation of that. Right. But I think with with more of the like like we were talking about with the actual work that they're doing and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. it's really like if you are looking at it as like, ah, oh, this is an interpretation of the future and you're looking at it from the perspective of like sci-fi now, right. then it does seem just very upfront and obvious mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And surprisingly, that's actually kind of more what the perspective was at the time. Hmm. Like the, the critical reception to it when it first came out was, uh, well, H.G. Wells said the film was silly uh, for example, uh, people just thought it was oversimplistic and didn't really have any depth to it. And that really hurt its reception. Hmm. Also, people thought it was too long and just just boring overall, even though they were like, oh, well, the visuals are incredible, which. Right. Yeah. I mean, not only just the designs, but we were talking about that before, I think, with the trip to the moon, the way that like the map paintings and Melies like had smoke coming out of it and mm-hmm. stuff like that and I, I noticed things that are similar to that in metropolis but where you can't tell what's been added later mm-hmm. or how that even yeah. would have been done like when you mm-hmm. see the skyline and they're like the right. trains going that's by what i and thought the, planes. Yeah, the big wide shots of the the city yeah and there's just traffic moving i'm like that's that's pretty cool how the heck how did they do that what? yeah there <laughs> i was, still don't know how there was like one shot towards the end i feel like and i'm not gonna remember where it was in the movie but it's like a highway and all these cars mm-hmm. are all jumbled up next to each other and mm-hmm. he's running down the road and it looked like oh, yeah. just a weird picture they painted but he's running on the road and i'm like how did they i don't know it looked so cool it just 
it was Very great. impressive all of it for sure yeah and no then no idea how they did that i think that was also the heart machine with like the electricity everywhere yeah, yeah. The final act. lots yes. of effects and stuff yeah like when the the robot had the scenes where there were like rings of light going up and down it and mm-hmm. that whole machine like scene. it it doesn't look bad no. even now like it's pretty good you can see the strings on like stuff in like the 70s and 80s yeah. but this but for some reason metropolis just kind of like holds up mm-hmm. kind of better which mm-hmm. is it's pretty great which is one reason why it's worth watching mm-hmm. uh but yeah no it, it definitely was not liked at the time and that led to as it would say at the beginning of the movie like at after the initial premiere it got cut like yeah. a bunch. It got cut down from the like 151 minutes that it originally was, or 153, to 116. And then when they released it in the U.S., it went down to 105. Whoa. So, Jeez. you know, about a quarter of the movie was just considered lost because after they didn't have that cut anymore, or if they did, nobody knew where it was. Mm-hmm. So the film was just totally lost. Or, you know, most of it. And we so we had this version of it that just wasn't very good. Like, just the, the plot was nonsensical. And yeah. I know, like, I have family members that watch that movie and were like, that movie makes literally no sense. And I asked them, when did you watch it? And they watched it well before we had the version that we do oh, now, which is significantly yeah, longer. Like, I think now our cut is up to, like, 149. Right. What year did they say that that happened? It was that like was the 2000s. Yeah, right? 2009 or 10, yeah. I think, is when they finally so found. Pretty um, recently. Yeah. They found a 16-millimeter copy in Buenos Aires oh. that had about 95% of the film. Right. Like, there's still a few bits that, like, they just have text that just t- tells you what happens. Right. Mm. I was surprised. I was expecting more of that, honestly. Mm. And then there was really only that one scene, um, kind of in the middle-ish, second, third-ish. Or yeah. Or last third. There was that bit, but then there's also um, a scene in which apparently Joe Friederson is fighting with Raveng. And that... Yeah. Right. Isn't yeah, that's shown the one either. I was thinking of, yeah. Okay. Well, there, there was another one earlier, oh, I think, okay. before that. So I think I there are two scenes. That was the only one I was remembering. Okay. I don't I, know. The other I one was, was really brief. One, though, yeah. It was like a shot or two. Yeah. So. But then there's lots of footage that's kind of got the like weird lines and mm-hmm. it's like not taking up the whole too. frame, which they prepared you for also in the, in right. the opening. But yeah, there was quite a bit of that, but it was still good. Mm-hmm. I could tell what was happening. It didn't look as sharp as the rest of it. But, but you know, it's still functional. And sometimes it's like... With the way that the score works, it felt like weird that they could ever really cut it down because yeah. the music just kind of like never stops right. mm-hmm. and is so dramatic and flows into very specific scenes mm-hmm. that the version of like when it would cut over to a 16 millimeter bit that didn't look very good. It's like that but that amount of pacing is just so heavily required for the score and for the emotional impact of the scene that I don't know how they would have cut that and yeah. it worked, which mm-hmm. I guess it didn't. But uh, (laughs) in my research, I saw that there are nine cuts of this movie, which is insane. I don't I don't understand. Uh, I came across. Well, I guess not thinking of the short ones. There were two on Canopy. Yeah. So, you know, some of them are still available to be watched. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the original is lost. Uh, The the 1927 edit from just like immediately after the film was screened, this 116 minute one. I think it's still around. Hmm. There was a 128-minute one for the UK. So I guess when they released it Weird. at the same time, 
in the UK it was longer, in the US it was shorter, and then the mm. German version was in the middle. Interesting. So at the so even in the first year of it being released, there were four different cuts. Oh wait, no, I'm seeing here that there was another one in August of 1927 that was 118. There are so many cuts of Jeez. this movie. Why? They came back in 1936 and cut it down to 91 minutes. And then there's this version in 84, which I think is probably the most interesting version, where uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, uh, Giorgio Moroder, I guess, was mm -hmm. bidding for the rights to the movie. Uh, and he outbid David Bowie for the rights, hmm. spent $200,000 on them in 84, and made a completely new... Uh, soundtrack cut the film down to how many minutes? I think it was in the 80s. Cut it down to 83 minutes Whoa. and made an entirely new, very, very 80s soundtrack that had <laughs> uh, Pat Benatar and Freddie Mercury I think in that's it. That's the one that's on Canopy. No way. And uh, apparently it sucked. It got <laughs> it got two Raspberry Awards. It got worst <laughs> original song, worst musical score. Nice. And for some reason was also nominated for a Grammy. So I, I don't, I don't know how that works. Worst but, you song know. ever Grammy. Yeah. I, th that should be a thing. Honestly, <laughs> that should know. be a thing. <laughs> some things that win best original song for oh. me should be worst original yes. song. Right. But you know, I've got weird opinions anyway. So that, that bit was really interesting, but it also makes me mad because David Bowie could have done it. And imagine if David Bowie had come out with his own version of Metropolis. It'd be interesting. I am pretty sure that would have been a five-star film. It would have been longer than the original cut of the movie. <laughs> I would have Probably. watched it, though. That sounds <laughs> no. so interesting. If it was just, like, interspersed with just, like, random shots of David Bowie from Labyrinth, I <laughs> I don't think I would care. It would be <laughs> fine. Uh, they And there you go. starting in the 70s, they were trying to figure, like, find film archives and that kind of thing to mm -hmm. piece together the original cut of the movie. So there's a version from 72 that attempted that. There's a version from 87, another one from 2001. And then finally in 2010 is when they came out with the actual like semi-complete version that we have now, Gotcha. which I'm pretty sure having that extra info does help the film actually make sense, which is nice. But at the same time, if I'm being honest, it doesn't entirely do it for me mm. anymore. Like the first time I saw yeah. it, I loved it. And the second time, it it does just kind of feel very basic. Yeah, it's, it's pretty Cliché. simple. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's interesting. There's definitely good parts of it. But yeah, as a whole, it's, it's long. And yeah, and it wasn't cliche in the moment, though, probably. Yeah. Right? Well... I mean, yeah, sort of it I wasn't mean, it wasn't considered cliche so much as simplistic. And now yes. it's become cliche, which right. shows that it does have a kind of power in of itself to be replicated so many times. Right. I mean, the robot design is mm -hmm. kind of the inspiration for C-3PO. OK, so it right. it definitely has its, you know, whatever its tendrils in a lot mm -hmm. of film. So it, it does, I think, still make sense to be on this list. Yeah. But and for me, like, it's just like. It's a four-star film with a five-star score. There you that, go. That's my personal <laughs> opinion. That's deep. Gosh. Gosh. I don't want the hate. I know I'm going to get so many tweets about this. Honestly, That's yeah. why I don't have Twitter. So don't I even guess try. Guess who has to deal with that? You. Me. <laughs> All your hate tweets. 
I'm just going to start saying the most outrageous things just so everybody sends tweets at you. Our only audience is going to be like Woody Allen fans. Oh, man. like, hate. That's going to suck. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Everybody's going to be like, why isn't Annie Hall on this list? Doesn't doesn't Annie Hall belong on this list? Yeah, what the heck? As far as indie films go, (laughs) man, that movie. No, I'm not going to talk about it. No. No, no, we're focused. No, we're not going to derail. Instead, we're going to um, let's see what what do we have? We could talk about the Nazis. Yeah, the Nazis. Yeah. So Tell much us about fun. the Nazis. So, um, yeah. So Hitler saw it back no when it came deal. out. Thought it was pretty great. Kind of thought it was the best. Um, he went to go see it apparently with the Nazi propagandist Joseph Goebbels, hmm. who apparently actually referenced it in a 1928 speech. I have the quote here. It, he says, the political bourgeoisie is about to leave the stage of history in its place, advance the oppressed producers of the head and hand, the forces of labor to begin their historical mission. Oh my gosh. Oh boy. Which is kind of fucked. Ah! Oh no. So that's not fun. Fritz Lang is definitely like, as far as everything I've seen of him, had no intentions towards that direction. Mm. of nazism yeah with his his movie that was not something he was thinking about at all but um his wife who was kind of more of the main writer on the film Mm. eventually joined the nazi party in 1933 where fritz lang was just like i'm getting out of here he divorced (laughs) her and then he left the country (laughs) oh my god so he clearly was not a nazi himself uh but his wife legitimately was which says a lot about the movie uh-huh <laughs> i don't know how Tricky. i feel about that uh, he was uh fritz lang was talking with uh peter bogdanovich later uh, in an interview wh- who's by the way the director of paper moon which i think is on our 100 movies list yes, so we'll get is. to peter bogdanovich as well but fritz lang said the main thesis was mrs von harbo's but I'm at least 50% responsible because I did it. I was not so politically minded in those days as I am now. You mm. cannot make a social conscious picture in which you say that the intermediary between the head and the brain is the heart or the hand and the brain is the heart. He said, I mean, that's a fairy tale, definitely. But I was very interested in machines. <laughs> anyway, I didn't like the picture. I thought it was silly and stupid then. <laughs> when I saw the astronauts, what else are they but part of a machine? It's very hard to talk about pictures. Should I say now I like Metropolis because something I've seen in my imagination comes true when I detested it after it was finished? Hmm. So he's very conflicted. I think a lot of just its connotations with Germany uh, during the war, (laughs) I think that's, that's a lot of the reason why he hates it. But apparently he also just... I mean, it is just kind of silly. Like H.G. Wells said that Apparently Fritz Lang himself said that he just, it's kind of a, got a fairy tale vibe, which is fine. Mm, it does. Yeah. If it's not inspiring Hitler, then, you know, right. Yeah. also, I don't, I don't think I mentioned that before, but Van Harbo ended up writing a bunch of Nazi propaganda films. Hmm. Oh, That's boy. fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> I had, I had no idea until I started writing this I report and I really couldn't leave that out. You yeah. Know? <laughs> didn't know any of this actually it's crazy i i feel like even though that film like metropolis is still very heavily talked about and respected yeah. but it feels like nobody really 
talks about that ever. Yeah. I don't know. Like I saw some reviews on Letterboxd that were like, apparently it was Hitler's favorite film. Clearly he didn't understand it. But like, <laughs> no, I think maybe, did he? Maybe maybe he did understand it. And in that case, Whoa. do I like, no. He was like, oh yes, this was made for me. I definitely feel uh, like I, I hear or I see it around more just like remaining influential because of the imagery, mm-hmm. like the robot yeah. image. Like the Fritz Lang bits. That's hanging up in our Alamo draft house. Yeah. It's, it's so just cool. Like sitting up by the ceiling. I'm like, oh, it's cool. And like, that's the thing that I see a lot. And I like, I did not know anything else about the content mm. of this movie that I, I did not like pick that up from other cultural things. Gotcha. It was all fresh for me, but other than the imagery a little bit. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. I, know, I thought I the ending was actually exciting. Like it kept mm-hmm. me interested yeah, like, mm-hmm. for the most part through yeah. the whole thing. That's definitely the thing. Uh, well, I mean, I, I guess as he said there, he was just like, you know, I don't know about the plot or the themes or yeah. whatever, yeah. but I like machines. <laughs> it looks cool. It was which fun. Is fun to do. The reason why <laughs> it sticks around as a movie. Right. And I, he's definitely proven to be a really interesting director. I have a few more movies of his that like, I want to just briefly give shout outs to because they're great. But he's a very, very good director who just happened to have a nazi wife oops yep it happens it happens <laughs> happens to, to happens the best, the best of us, us. <laughs> Man. um but lang's other notable films if anybody's interested are m which is a noir oh, film from 1931 yeah. which is it is a talkie and it's so good i've seen it and it's definitely one of the best crime thrillers that i've seen and i've also heard a lot of things about the testament of Dr. Mabuse? I've seen that. Really? I watched that for school in my my film class that I keep mentioning. What did uh, you think? It's okay. It's fun. Um, I think it, it was connected to a bunch of other movies uh, at the time that I have not seen any of. Hmm. I guess that character. He's done a few movies with a lot that. of things. Yeah. Uh, but I saw that one specifically, and it's interesting. Hmm. I don't remember a ton about it. Did you like it better or worse than Metropolis? Maybe, I don't know. I like the sci-fi stuff and imagery of Metropolis. That's mm-hmm. probably more memorable. But I also feel like at the time, I, I liked Dr. Mabusa too. I don't know. It's probably Metropolis. Gotcha. But uh, sorry, I, f- I forgot about that. I forgot that he did that. <laughs> that is <laughs> really <on>. interesting. <laughs> That's cool. I'm glad that I'm, you know, yeah. I'm not the only one who is like, really dived deep into Lang, you know, because I've seen one other film other than Metropolis. Right. Yeah. <laughs> deep dive. I did it accidentally. But I definitely want to watch that one. Um, and then I've heard a lot of good things about Destiny hmm. from 1921. So I guess that would probably be a silent picture as well, which is, yeah. as Letterboxd put it, a fantasy thriller. Hmm. So I, r- I really don't know much about that one, but I do hear that one talked about a decent amount. Cool. So I, I am planning on seeing that one at some point. Um, and then I've also got some German expressionist films that are also probably worth a watch if the expressionism was the thing that made it land. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's see. The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari from 1920 is considered one of the most important and best German expressionist films. And I, I think that one's on Criterion. I could be wrong. So that one is worth seeing. Obviously... 1922's Nosferatu, which is just also considered like an early horror classic. I still need to see that. 
Yes. I really want to see that, especially before, um, who's doing, is it Eggers that's doing a Nosferatu movie? Uh, yes. That is what I've heard. That's so exciting. Like, I think it, like, it's been on his docket, like, on his letterbox page for so long, but I think he's doing something else now before that. Mm. But apparently it's happening. So it might um, come out in 2022, sure. exactly 100 years after the first one, which would be really cool. That would cool. be cool. Yeah, that'd be fun. Maybe that's the plan. I hope he pumps it out in time for that. That'd I'll watch cool. it. I'll watch anything that man makes. <laughs> Honestly, everything he does. I mean, he's only done two things, <laughs> right, but, but I really like them. pretty great. So, Hannah, watch The Witch. Come watch on. Watch The Witch. What are you doing? Please. Is it scary? Not kind really. of. Not really. Isn't it like know. a horror movie? Technically, yeah. Mm. I <laughs> See, that's like, the thing. I'm not really a horror movie person, uh, but I'm an Eggers person because his right. movies are not really horror movies. It's like not they're just kind of like You watched Hereditary and it's like not oh my gosh. nearly that bad. If you watched Hereditary like and you survived. Kind I barely no survived is the thing. It's like nothing. But the witch doesn't do scary no. things. Is like that it has the one with the goats? In it that's kind of like it does whoa. have the it is the one with the goats, okay, but it doesn't I do creepy things. I watched the trailer and it looked freaky. It's not that bad. It's dark. I've seen it twice. But it yes. is it is freaky. Very English. Okay, it's not that bad. It's good. It sucks now because now that I've watched Hereditary, everyone's like, oh, well, that's the worst of the worst. So you can watch right. this. And I'm exactly. like, no. But like, it's really <laughs> I regret every funny. life decision anyway. that brought me to watching Hereditary. <laughs> that one I can recommend. <laughs> I would still try and recommend that one. The Lighthouse is harder to recommend because it's just wild. I would watch it The Lighthouse, wild. actually. Really? Yeah. People so, refer to those acting okay. performances all well, they're the great. time. They're amazing. Yeah. That's but it's just a way I feel like you wouldn't like it lot. as much. You would probably more likely like The Witch. Yeah, I, feel like like I was really excited for The Lighthouse, but I prefer The Witch. The Witch is okay. probably my favorite movie that is technically under the category of horror. At least you Bye. can kind of make I'll sense of The Witch. I'll watch both in the morning. I mean, we'll I would love to watch The Lighthouse. Patreon, with you and if you, if you really want to force Hannah to watch a bunch of horror movies. <laughs> You really could contribute to that. Shout us out Sponsor me, and I'll do like these horrible reaction videos where you can watch me like <laughs> freaking out. That, that would be great. Great. I, I want I'm such that. a pansy. Uh, I jump all the time at stuff like that too. So if I'll just be sitting there next to you and just. Like I, I guess that out. was a visual gag. So sorry. I was going to yeah, say he's, are, he's yes. <laughs> he's joking. These are not jump scare movies. I like oh try to cover my eyes, but I don't want to miss anything. So I literally watch through my fingers like at five. <laughs> It's it's a good time. That you can sounds watch like Robert a very Pattinson good time. Be wild in anticipation of the Batman. Batman, which looks fun. Heck yeah! Actually, excited oh man, about that. that trailer looked interesting. I will see it, mostly because uh, I have belief in Matt Reeves. Friend of the podcast, Luke, uh, saw that, and he has he's not into Batman. He fell asleep during Batman Begins. Really, and has never what? seen any other Batman. Film, Dang, maybe like no Lego longer. Batman, makes me sad, podcast. but it's fine. Sorry, Luke. Uh, but he saw that, and he's like. <laughs> I saw the trailer for Emo Batman, and now I feel like I need to see other Batman stuff. Yes. Like, I mean, well, I've been times. telling you that for years, but it's fine. So maybe the Batman will make at least one new Batman fan. I, probably Thanks, just Robert one, because I feel like who isn't a Batman fan? I know. Other than friend <laughs> there's Todd a lot of There's a lot of good Batman things. Oh, I told him he should watch Mask of the Phantasm with me, mm. because I still really need to see that. And that's probably a good way to get into ease into that. I also I need guess, to see that. Because it's right there on Netflix staring at me. Anyway, that's enough about that. What were we talking about? 
uh, <laughs> uh, we were talking about German expressionist yeah. films, <laughs> but I think we watched. I think we talked about the, the important ones. Uh, so I have also some early science fiction films. There is a 1910 short adaptation of Shelley's Frankenstein hmm. that is worth the watch. It's like ten oh. minutes. Whoa. Uh, there's a 1925 adaptation of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's The Lost World, which Ew. is one of my favorite Doyle novels by far. It's really good. It, I don't really know how to explain it other than it, it's kind of got a journey to the center of the earth meets up yeah. vibe. Mm. Cool. It's rad. And I guess that's a full length movie. It's like 120 minutes or something. Nice. And then Lang has another film from 1929 called Woman in the Moon, which apparently introduced the idea of rocket launches counting down. Whoa. Which is kind of crazy because that's wow. an actual thing that exists now. That, that definitely happens sometimes, where something appears in a in a sci-fi thing, and then real life just is like, well, they did it there, and now we actually kind of have that, so might as well. <laughs> it's so cool. I love that kind of thing. Why were people obsessed with the moon? I love that. I feel like I'm hearing all the movies and shorts back then, like refer to the moon or it's about the moon or something with the moon. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, like there was um, oh, what's the name of that guy? Uh, Cyrano de Bergerac, who yeah. there's a play about, which is really good, and there's a play adaptation of that with James. That McElroy, we'll never which is see. Really good. Yeah, that came out in theaters, and I went to go <sighs> Wait, see it. What's it called? Uh, it's, it's just called it's Cyrano de Bergerac, oh. but it's a National Theater Live oh, production. I see. It was really good, but it also, for some reason, nobody can ever watch it ever again because okay. National Theater Live puts their things for one night in a theater and then they just disappear and. I hate it. Anyway. It's like real theater. Yeah, it is like real theater. It's like, what's the point? <laughs> you know, it's, it's like broadcasting all the effort into filming it. If we can't see okay, it Okay, that's true. Then why not let me watch it again? Because yeah. I love it. <laughs> anyway, Cyrano de Bergerac is a play based on an actual guy who wrote a book about traveling to the moon. I don't remember the way that he gets to the moon, but mm. it, it felt, I, we honestly should have mentioned it in A Trip to the Moon because it definitely feels like it has the same kind of ridiculous fantasy sci-fi vibe. But that was probably way earlier, like 1700s or something. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, the moon, a good topic. We yes. could do a whole episode on moon movies. There's a lot of them. Like David Bowie's son, Duncan Jones, who made a film called Moon. Indeed. I need to see that still. Me too. Watch moon Duncan movies. Jones movies with me, Reese. We should just do that. Please. Yes. Watch Warcraft with me. I, <laughs> I will. I'm just kidding. Watch Source Code with me, but also Moon. I also I think will. Moon's probably his best one. I will watch all of Duncan Jones's movies, <laughs> even though you I probably won't them. like them as much as I like no, his father's you music. Won't. Because, again, no. that would be impossible. You definitely will not. But, you know, I'll, do it. Like I'll do it anyway. Of so, also, as far as early sci-fi films go, watch Moon by Duncan Jones. Yes. 2000. Ten, something like that. Yeah, I'll go with 2010. Uh, so that's that's a lot of stuff. That's some information on Metropolis. I hope any of that made sense. It did. Can we Do talk? We? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Can we talk <laughs> about like how dark Metropolis got for a minute? Hmm. Like, I know it was from the 20s, so it wasn't that hard to watch. But all I kept thinking when I was watching the guy chase Maria around, thinking she was hell, was like. That was the name, right? Hell, what yeah. the other woman? Yeah. yeah. All I was thinking was like, if they made this today, I don't know. Those so those scenes I just felt like would have been like really deeply disturbing mm -hmm. if I was watching it in a more modern sense. Like yeah. it was kind of freaky. I was like, that's kind of disturbing. <laughs> yeah, and having that like kind of be 
somewhat intercut with, you know, people destroying their own city and not knowing where their children are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That and was setting someone on fire. Like yeah. literally and celebrating someone, and like holding Frieder back and laughing at him. Yeah. He's while like, he's watching. He thinks is he's watching his, right. you know, yeah. true love or whatever yeah. be yeah. burnt at the stake. It was pretty brutal at the end. And I was like, I can totally see them remaking this into like a really dark, disturbing film mm-hmm. today. Yeah, I'm surprised okay. that it hasn't. That's I don't true. think there I is a remake. Yeah. I looked it up it's actually because like really not been touched. There is a remake into like a mini series oh. from the eighties. Weird. Of course they would do that. So uh, didn't really in look into that. Series. But I'm like, I want a movie released in the twenties now. Like we'll do twenty twenty seven Metropolis remake. Leonardo DiCaprio can be Frieder. Good times. He just that's kept just, reminding me of Leo like, DiCaprio. You just don't get like <laughs> stories like that. It was kind of cool. Like yeah. Just like, but like expressionism is like, I feel like that's not a thing in like mainstream entertainment, really. Hmm. Am I wrong? But if we revisit it, I mean, I feel like things are just much more generally, not all the time, but just I feel like a lot of things are more literal minded. Yeah, I think things have definitely swung back in the way of realism. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, why we love our our indie masterpieces like Lady Bird. Right. Right. Yeah. Totally. So, but what if you revisited it, it now? Right. With all it our would technology be very now, odd. but you and kept I, some of the 1920s looks because the costumes yeah, and the right. makeup oh, were so you, heavily 1920s. Yeah, like they, they cool. all just looked like flapper girls. Like mm-hmm. the makeup and everything, yeah. it was crazy. Like that would be so stunning to see recreated. Hmm. I would really I like thinking. that. I would yeah, love cool. that. But that, yeah, that ending third act is just is really dramatic. Yeah, and it's it a lot. can be very emotional if you're not really tired when you watch it for the second time <laughs> right before recording an episode on politically aware of what's going on <laughs> if you don't if you aren't thinking oh, about nazis <laughs> oh, man. but i think probably my favorite line comes in that third act where he's like where joe friederson's like where's my son and they're like just so you know like oh, yeah. hey hey buddy tomorrow a bu- lot of people are gonna be asking you where their son is yeah and he's like oh. right and that was oh pretty no good. yeah i like that, that cool. bit yeah, there were like some good punches right at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't feel like. I don't know. The movie still doesn't like, quite straight read to me as being like weird and Nazi-ish. But yeah, I, I don't know, because it kind of isn't kind of the point of like, it, the you know the mediator between the head and the hands must be the heart being like. Maybe we don't have to tear down the entire system because maybe that ends up being really destructive. Right. Maybe we mm-hmm. try to like. Yeah, I, I thought that was an interesting take. Like, I feel like I haven't heard that so much. I feel like things tend to either just tip in favor of one or the other, or like it is tipped towards the head and the hands get kind of beaten down. But like, I feel like the concept of yeah, something something in the middle hadn't occurred to me. But I don't. I'm not smart enough, and I haven't read enough to know if that's like something good or legitimate maybe that's maybe that's a bad thing i don't know <laughs> who can say but it was an interesting idea yeah that i was i kind I of love appreciated that reader hops in and he's like what there's there's supposed to be a mediator it's me yeah, he's like, oh, I can right he's it's just instantly me. like wait a minute i'm the white male protagonist it is me yeah exactly he just like <laughs> wow. chooses it i was like that was the most like male thing he could have done in the moment uh-huh. <laughs> it's me guys <laughs> uh, why wasn't maria the mediator i know right. that might have made sense great. She was too busy being harassed by men. Seriously. (laughs) (laughs) 
and being turned into a robot yeah. and then getting free in a scene that we don't actually see. Yeah. I did like that her performance changed and made it very obvious which one was which. Yeah. She, she was just really good. I was very impressed with the and two doing things with her face and mm-hmm. stuff that made that line. Let's give the what man machine your face or something. I was like, oh, ah, yeah. what are they going to do to her? Yeah, I like that they always <laughs> called it the machine freaky. man, yeah. <gasps> and if that oh. movie had been, re- you know, they remake that movie mm-hmm. most likely they'll just rip off her face and exactly. stick it on there like, it more like violence the kind of thing that would happen mm. i have yeah. expected it that's what i thought the first time i watched the yeah. movie it's like oh right. so it was she's weird. dead now right yeah, i thought she, she died again. it's like oh i thought she died she like slumps over in the chamber thing and i was like right. oh like did it like completely like move over but but I apparently not, not. <laughs> i appreciate the scene where she's uh running away from the freaky guy whose name escapes me <laughs> thank <Yes>. you <laughs> i was like i'm not even gonna try to say it and um she like falls over the railing onto the bell rope and she's yeah. just swinging forever yeah, yeah it was great i'm curious how they got that shot because that looks like it, it might have been dangerous i don't know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just a little mm-hmm. it was trippy mm. but yeah mm. good times poor maria i Hashtag also poor maria the, th- the thin man was a very imposing presence, I thought. Yeah. He's only in there mm. a few times, but like that guy boy, he's got a looks look. like a Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> like he, I don't know. There was something about him that was just very distinctive. He's dressed in this way and, and holds himself in a way that just definitely feels like he's like some very, very creepy yeah. Nazi character he is from intimidating. a Tarantino movie. Yeah. From <laughs> the small little bit of Inglorious Bastards I've seen. I need to see that stuff. I should definitely actually watch that all the way through. Watch a Tarantino movie with me, Reese. <laughs> Don't call me out again. <laughs> I, feel like I mean, this one's a little more important. Quentin Tarantino manor- matters a little bit more than Duncan Jones. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'll give you that. He's, he hopefully is, well, he might be a little more weird of a person, but that's okay. I, I think I will enjoy a decent amount of Tarantino. They're fun. We are going to get to Pulp Fiction eventually on yes. here. It is yes. on there. I see that too. Uh, it's fun. It's wild. I'll do it. It'll be fine. It'll be, it'll be great. Yes. I've got, okay, I've got a <laughs> few last few last things. I've got a section on the budget. Oh, yeah. I've got a section on the modern reception. I'll start with, I'll start with modern reception. Okay. It's got a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh. Roger Ebert called it one of the greatest achievements of the silent era, a work so audacious in its vision and so angry in its message that it is, if anything, more powerful today than it was when it was made. Take that, H.G. Wells. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> it has a 4.2 on Letterboxd, placing it at 107, 157 in the top 250 narrative films list, <laughs> just above Kurosawa's Rashomon, which upsets me. <laughs> Lang's highest rated film on Letterboxd is M, which is at a 4.3, sitting at number 80 at the moment. While Metropolis is not Lang's highest rated film on the site, it is definitely his most popular, not just on Letterboxd, but, you know, across everything ever. Yeah, I for mean, sure. If it inspired Star Wars and it inspired everything else that has any kind of futurist look, which, you know, is like the design of Tomorrowland in Disney and, you know, I guess the movie Tomorrowland. Yeah. I haven't <laughs> seen it, and I will never see it. <laughs> and kind of The Incredibles, I feel like, has some mm. futurist vibes in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Right. Clearly more influential than M. Definitely. In, yeah. 
like individuals. I, I know things. I've, I've picked up things mm-hmm. about Metropolis. I have not picked up anything about M as far as I know. Fair. But I've heard about it. Definitely feels like it I led, M is kind of, has a different sort of trajectory into the things that it led into. It's mm. more based off of like the plot structure. Yeah, that makes sense. That M has kind of contributed to. It definitely, M has a pretty direct line straight to Bong Joon-ho's Memories of Murder. Mm. Which is a good film that you should see. I do need to see that. I Watch really that film. That. That'll yeah. come out on Criterion I'm soon. Do it. Which is cool. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The budget was 5.3 Reichsmarks, which I did not know was Ooh. the currency at the time. Okay. Yep. Cool. Anyway, Reichsmarks, apparently 5.3 million Reichsmarks seems to be about 47.6 million of today's dollars when you adjust oh. for inflation. It's pretty good. So it was apparently the most expensive film made up to that point. Makes sense. There was a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Like that last act, all the water and stuff yeah, going through those sets. Yeah, they had to kind of destroy some of those sets. Like for yeah, sets how are did huge. they do the flooding? And like, yeah, the, it was just like... It was really visually impressive. very impressive. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. It reportedly bombed, though, which is surprising, because I don't feel like I've read anything else about that, but it here. pulled in 700,000 Reichsmarks, which is... Approximately thirteen percent of its budget, or around six point three million dollars today. Wow! <laughs> and Jeez. the shooting took seventeen months to complete. Oof, that's a lot. Jeez, seventeen that's months. That's rough. Mm-hmm. Wow. Ah. It made no money. And made no money, and was kind of critically panned at the time, and was cut into different forms like eight <laughs> times after the original cut <laughs> and was a nazi movie and <laughs> was written <laughs> by a freaking nazi without people even realizing it oops. <sighs> oops there's some weird stuff about this film but one more thing i want to note which is a complete tangent the opening shot with them like walking through the um the halls like all the workers walking through yes. the, like, yeah. giant. that reminds me of pink floyd's the wall Oh yeah. Very strongly. A decent amount of this movie mm-hmm. reminds me of Pink Floyd's The Wall. Yeah, that makes sense. I can see a that. good thing. I like that thing. It's good. Anyway, so it's got a bunch of in- it it influenced a bunch of things. And um I don't know. I think that's probably everything I have in this report. Not very structured. I like this report. It Perfect. Cool beans. Do we want to go through our personal feelings a little bit more? starting with hannah hello i'm hannah Hmm. um yeah i don't know i guess i'd give it a four star also Mm -hmm. because i liked looking at it i liked the ending there was a lot going on for a silent film Mm -hmm. they chose to run with like some fairly complex like i know it was simplistic but also they had an actress play like two characters and I'm like, yeah. go you like you right. didn't even have dialogue and you like pulled this off and it was totally noticeable. Like it worked. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I didn't really resonate with it. Like the other ones, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of felt the same way. Like it was cool seeing just the visuals effects stuff and some interesting stuff in the story. And it was all good, but it w- I did feel the length on this one more than <laughs> some. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. It is definitely Probably an is. hour longer yeah. than the previous movie. Like, yeah, I, I hate to, like, agree with the sentiment of the time, perhaps, and 
I don't know. I don't think I would watch a shorter version because I don't know what I would remove exactly. Mm-hmm. But it, I don't know. It kind of felt a little long. But I it was good. I think there were shots that were well. a little long. Like, yeah. you saw those guys walking through halls for quite That's some true. time. And it's yeah. like, do I need to see them still That's walking? But yeah, no. It's, it's all right. <laughs> you could do a lot worse, obviously. <laughs> so, yeah, I will agree. I think probably most of what's there I wouldn't remove. But at the same time, definitely on the second watch, it did feel long. It felt long on the first watch. Mm-hmm. I think it just it, it's one of those movies that just feels long, even if it does kind of make up for it by right. it but being like, used for something. You can be two and a half hours or more and not feel long. True. They're out there. You can be and three hours long and f- not feel long. Yeah, like exactly. Like Seven Samurai. Yeah. Which I'm very excited to get into eventually. Well, yeah. Heck yeah. I really wish the 100 films list was just 31 Kurosawa movies. <laughs> and, uh, and Ryan Gosling it. movies. Yes, and all of the rest of them Ryan Gosling movies. Hmm. You thought I forgot to plug that in. <laughs> I really did. Yeah. I'm here. Every time. I'm always <laughs> here. Here I am. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. I think I'd probably also give it a four. I really, really liked it the first time. I was reading a lot of Dickens when mm. I first watched it, which made sense in my brain for some reason because Dickens's response to, like, I don't know, the social critique of, like, classism and whatever was to be like, ah, what we really need is to have those rich people take care of the poor and be really nice which is kind of mm-hmm. what it feels like Metropolis is doing. It's not like we need to fix kind the of. structure. It's kind of like, ah, if if the if the head and the hands are getting along and we're being nice and buddies, then everything will be fine. Right. So in that sense, it, at the time, it was like really interesting to me because it felt like it was, it was tying into stuff that I was reading. Yeah. Mm. But just watching it now to talk about it here, it's, it, visually very impressive and i still think that the score which i don't think we talked about too much already on the podcast i think i have the name of of the guy who did the score but that is one of my all-time favorite film scores i think it it just has so much it definitely feels like it it vibes with the expressionism it's so much more dramatic bombastic and is almost kind of a storytelling device way more than what we saw with the general which i guess makes sense because that wasn't an actually written score but even comparing it to other films of the time like chaplin films which by the way charlie chaplin not only wrote starred and directed his films he also scored them and Hmm. produced them that's talent that's a lot of talent anyway the score for this movie (laughs) is the best probably my favorite thing of the 20s probably my favorite thing of just early films or silent films ah the name Gottfried Huppertz hmm. probably didn't pronounce that right. It's a German name. Nice. But yeah, the Gottfried, score is the best Gottfried. thing. Right. Got yeah. Gottfried. Gottfried. I don't know. I'm yeah, just making stuff something up. Something like that. <laughs> he wins best score. Nice. Good 1927 job. Academy Award for best score. I, I don't think it actually won that. I don't think the Academy Awards were around. I, I don't know. But I would give it that posthumously because he's now dead. What? I bet he would appreciate that. Well, I mean, he, he scored this in 1927. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. That was, he that definitely was, does. That was very sarcastic. What? Yeah. Yes. Anyway, I that's the best part. The visuals are really good. I like a, a futurist aesthetic. Mm-hmm. 
I in general like sci-fi. I like a more fantasy-esque sci-fi, which this kind of gets a little bit, but doesn't quite nail it to the extent that A Trip to the Moon does for me. It's a four-star, probably my least favorite film that we've covered so far. Same. But I still think it deserves to be on this list because it's Mm -hmm. clearly very influential. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, there we go. That's Metropolis. That's the film. Now... Uh, uh, speaking of segues, does anybody have a segue to segue out of this segue segue? You know, I like to segue uh, into the best uh, dialogue or quotes from the movie. Ooh, hmm. I thought yeah. of one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you, you know, <laughs> that that's a good Wait, segue. Um, no. Do you have, have anybody have any quotes from uh, Mall Cop? Because <laughs> <That laughs> uh, speaking speaking of segues. Oh, he liked Yeah. Oh, man. That was so good. Much fun. Um, okay, wait. So if we're actually going to wrap it up, then I suppose there are a few things that we should say first. Um, I guess there's a th- there, thank you for listening. Thank you. If you want to send us an email, we're at movieoverloadpod. Email us. We're lonely. At Gmail. We're also on Twitter at movieoverloadpod underscore. Yes. And then on Instagram is Movie Overload Pod. Don't give me your hate tweets. No hate tweets. I don't want them. Uh, <laughs> and I want if your you want to tweet me about it directly, <laughs> you can. You just have to find my Twitter account, which currently doesn't exist. So screw mm. you. So, ha. Fuck jokes Woody on Allen. You. Ha, you can't do anything about it. Ha. <laughs> uh, there's also a form on our website, movieoverloadpod.com, in which you can interact with us. Yeah. And we have the full archive we're available on all the platforms uh maybe someday we'll have a patreon that could be cool i'll plug <laughs> that in advance sponsor you me check you should if put we out have a patreon first. on our website if as you're listening recording. to this later than when it releases yeah we'll upload say, as of recording this we don't we'll even have an yeah. episode on the internet yet but right. we will we will have several by the time this actually right by up, the time this obviously. releases we will have recorded uh oh gosh a lot. like 10 episodes yeah so we are banking them we uh, are sorry, I guess, you know, because <laughs> we know we you really wanted know. a timely podcast from I'm us. Sorry for me. You really wanted yeah. some insightful political discussions and, and really talking about the way that films respond to current political events. And I am sorry that we can't do that for you by talking about in talking about 1930s movies, I guess. Oh, no. we, we could. Have, I feel like some of this stuff is sort of relevant it is metropolis has some stuff that is semi-relevant to now but also this is evergreen content what are you looking for you you fool i mean if if it was relevant then you almost 100 years ago maybe it's just always going to be relevant i think so i don't know until we actually fix the problem who knows what problem that is (laughs) i i mean i don't know what you're referring to i don't have a political bone in my body <laughs> so okay. I, okay. I have no it's clue fine. what you're talking about. I don't know. I, I, don't I thought that you hated Nazis. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll take a political stance. <laughs> God. I just I don't, don't like, like Nazis. Nazis. That's about it. <laughs> that should not be up for debate. I mean, we are we are an anti-Nazi no, prop. Uh, prop? Heck, huh. maybe it is. Podcast. We don't like Nazis. Yeah. Okay, well, that's fine. That's we'll it. just take that's a stance. We if we can collectively <laughs> just say that right now at the beginning... At the at the beginning of the podcast, at the end of the third episode, we don't like Nazis the here. Officially, that's if you're just a Nazi, so we're clear. 
this is not the podcast yeah, for you. Exactly. Find something else. This is else. not the Turn podcast for you. Now. Oh. Um, yes. <laughs> anyway, so that's that's our that's our stance. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening. And as we say at the end of every episode of Movie Overload Podcast, I just wanted, I just wanted to shout out my boy Frieder, Joe Friederson's son. Because I thought that was really funny. It really sucks. That's not not a good naming scheme. <laughs> <laughs> they say it several times, and I like it. But like, just like you, Frieder, Joe Friederson's son. Lost track it's of like, who what? those people were. <laughs> yeah, somehow. <laughs> but somehow. I just like the way all those words flow together. Just Friederson's son. She sure is. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. Why isn't it? It could be the other way around, right? Yeah, that actually like, makes more sense. Why wouldn't like Joe Friederson just be Frieder, and then? the protagonist would be Friederson. That's true. Because then it's like, ah, Friederson. I don't right. know. Go ask for its name. Anyway, thank you for this terrible <laughs> conundrum. I'm sorry. I will never be That was the only thing I could think of. I can't I was, sleep like, at night now. That stood, that stood out to me. Everything sucks now. Oh, man. Thanks. It's okay. Goodbye, people. Goodbye. Goodbye.